Good morning again and welcome again to Waukesha City Church. On behalf of Pastor Chuck and the rest of the elders, uh, I welcome you, I greet you, appreciate you making this an important part of your week. And I've got, the, again, the, the immense pleasure of preaching from God's Word this morning. Uh, if you were here last week, you'll know that this is part two. Um, if, not, if you weren't here last week, I'm telling you this is part two um, of a series, uh, just a quick series, on the holiness of God. And uh, this is uh, in part because of uh, Chuck's absence. Uh, him and his uh, family went on a much-deserved um, uh, vacation in Florida. They're currently on their way back. Uh, so we'll be praying for them that they would have a safe travel back and we'll be able to fellowship with them again next Sunday. Our text this morning is from 1 Peter, and I'm going to be reading verses 3 through 5, and then verses 13 through 16. Follow along as I read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Father God, we come before you this morning with hearts that are being pulled in lots of directions through the circumstances of this week, even the circumstances of this morning. We ask that your spirit would give us calm minds, souls ready to be taught by you, that we would understand just a little bit more of what it means for you to be holy and begin to grasp what that means for our, ourselves and our daily lives as we trust you to grow in us the responsibility to be holy as you were holy. So we ask for your good work again in our hearts this morning through your word, and we ask these things in your son's precious name. Amen. So as I already stated, this is, this is part two of the holiness of God, and I, I, again, just to reiterate, this is, this is more of a topical uh, sermon, which is more, more educational, more like being in a class and, and sitting and listening to a teacher than it is what we're used to, more, which is more of an exegetical or a verse-by-verse -verse breakdown of a, of a passage. So you won't find me jumping into 1 Peter and, and breaking down all the verses that we just read through, but we will be referencing those. The reason for this is because the, the topic of holiness, as I explained last week, is, is just a huge part of, of Scripture. You find it from Genesis through Revelation. And as well, the topic of being holy, our, our call, the command we've been given by Scripture, is just vast. And it's very difficult to just grab 
one text of scripture and say, this is what it means. And so I'm, I'm doing the other approach, which is to grab a lot of scripture and, and point to that in reference to what this means to be holy. By way of review, last week we answered the question, what does it mean for, for God to be holy? Uh, remember, we defined that. Um, in a, as inadequate as that was, the goal was to provide a framework in our mind when we think of holy, when we read it in scripture, when we sing it up on, on the, 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 the screen, we're singing songs and we, we use that word holy, I want a framework from scripture that helps us understand what that is. So we used three words last week, separated, pure, and transcendent to describe the holiness of God. And then we looked at Psalm 99 to reveal what what does that tangibly look like when we think about who God is and, and his holiness? How is that revealed or fleshed out? And we looked at Psalm 99 and three uh, characteristics or attributes of God that were revealed in there. His, his reign, his justice, and his accessibility. And that really lays the, the framework for the question we're going to answer today, which is what does it mean for us to be holy? And so the two things that I want to try and accomplish today are, are to provide an answer for that and then an action for that. And it's more like answers, because there's two answers to the question of what, is, what does it mean for us to be holy? And as far as the actions are concerned, I'm gonna probably get to one of them, maybe two, um, and we could have a whole nother series, probably for the rest of 2023, addressing what does it mean for us to be holy? What does the scripture uh, inform us of those steps uh, to fulfill that command? So that's what we're gonna try and pursue today with the time that we have. So the question, what does it mean for us to be holy is a very important question. Because as we just read from the text in 1 Peter, and it's, it's elsewhere in scripture as well, in the Old Testament and in the New, we are commanded to be holy because God is holy. And as I said, there's, there's two answers to this question. Um, our, our holiness can be looked at in two ways. And the terms I'm going to use in, in reference are, are, again, to help, hopefully get us uh, to wrap our minds around obeying this command. But the answer is twofold. One, there is positional holiness. And this is our position before God. How does God see us? Does he see us as holy? And then the other answer to the question is it's, there is functional holiness. In other words, there are some, some functions that we need to pursue as followers of God, there's actions towards God. There's a striving to fulfill this command. So I want to look at, at, at positional truth uh, and, and functional truth as it relates to answering this question. What does it mean for us to be holy? So to be holy means to embrace this positional truth that we are seen by God as holy. And, and again, what does that look like? Well, that means being separate. That means being pure. And so as, as we pursue this, this idea of holiness, we need to come to it from an understanding that our position before God, there is a sense in which we are pure. We're spotless just as he is. We are separate in a way that he is. And again, I'm going to point out several passages of scripture. I won't go into detail on them. Uh, write them down. Um, look through them more this week. Talk about them in your community groups. But this, the first thing that I want to point out about our position of holiness is that it's gifted from God. And we saw this in, in 
the first few verses uh, this morning, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, we see God is the cause of this gift. It said, says, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, nothing that we did, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we see that our salvation, our faith and trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins placed us in a position whereby God sees us as being pure, as being spotless. And it was nothing that we did. We just accepted this free gift by faith and we're put in that position of holiness. Another text that I want to draw our minds to uh, is 1 Corinthians 6.11. And this talks about believers as being washed and sanctified by God through Jesus Christ. The text says, and such were some of you. This is referring to a list of sins. So as such were some of you, he's saying some of you were sinners. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So this position that we have is because of the work of Jesus Christ. It washed us, it cleansed us. The, the word sanctified here in, in the text, 1 Corinthians 6.11, if you remember, the, I, I briefly referenced Hebrew and Greek words for holiness last week. The word sanctified um, can easily be translated into the word holy or holiness in this text. Um, and if for those of you, um, 30 plus of, of you that were in the adult Sunday school this morning, Pastor Jake did a great job of talking about sanctification. And it's a very similar um, aspect to holiness. If you're being sanctified, you're being set apart to a specific purpose and there's work to be done in there. And so as this text tells us, through the, through the work of Jesus Christ, we were washed, we were sanctified, we were set apart as holy to God. And then there's something that we can enjoy about this. We see that we can be in God's presence because of this position. Ephesians 2.14 lets us know this. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. So because Jesus Christ is our great mediator, he is our great high priest, we who were once separated from God because of our sin, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on, because of our positional holiness, we can be brought near to the Father and His holiness. We can be holy as God is holy. And this is really the, the first answer to our question. What does it mean for us to be holy? It means to, that we are holy as God is holy. And again, I wish we could park here for a lot longer. There's a sense in, in which this thought right here, we talked about the word transcendent last week and how it means it's so far above um, our, what's, what's normal and what's our, our average experience. And this th thinking of the fact that we are holy as God is holy is very transcendent. It's very far above what we normally think about when we wake up in the morning and we're going through a day, even when we're doing uh, spiritual discipline things. Sometimes our mind does not uh, fully understand what it means to be holy as God is holy, but we find this positional truth in Scripture. And so that's the first answer to what it means to be holy. But it also means to embody the functional truth, our functional position that we are to daily strive for the separateness and the purity that defines our holy God. So our daily life 
should in, should in many ways be an example of God's holiness to, to those around us. It should be a, a mirror reflection of God's holiness, uh, a picture of um, a picture that others can look at and get a, a, a view, a glimpse of the holiness of God. So this functional truth, this functional aspect of God's holiness is something that we should be striving for and there should be um, consequences to that striving. Uh, among many are the fact that others should be able to see the holiness of God through us, even if it's just a, a little glimpse of God's holiness through our striving. And again, this, is a, this function is, is commanded by God. We, see, we saw that in our text this morning. Um, I referenced, uh, um, uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll just read it real quickly, just as a reminder. 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16, and as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That's a weighty thought right there. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So we have this command to be holy. I referenced Romans 12, 1, last week. Um, it's a very convicting verse um, for us. Romans 12, 1 is really calling us to living a life of, of worship, living a life of sacrifice to, ho- to a holy God. And when we do this, we embody ho- God's holiness so that others might see a glimpse of him through us. Romans 12, 1, again, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. As we strive for functional holiness, we have conduct that we're supposed to be, be perpetuating. We have actions that we're supposed to uh, take forth as we, as we worship. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling at times to describe some of this. These are um, concepts that really intersect with every aspect of our waking moment and what, what we're being called to do and live a holy life should have that weight in our life. And I think there's another text that helps um, understand somewhat of our motivation. 2 Corinthians 7.1 helps us understand that we can be motivated by an understanding of God's holiness. It says, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And that fear of God, like think of the word fear here and how it's being used. Um, we should be motivated by the greatness of our God, by the awesomeness of our God, by the immensity of his purity. Uh, and that should be a motivating factor to us. If we could but strive for a piece of that holiness, this side of eternity, we would be fulfilling this command. And, and there is, there is um, so the second answer really is, um, when we think of functional holiness, it means striving to model the holiness of God in our lives. So the, the first answer, positional holiness, understanding we are holy before God, but the functional aspect of that is we need to be striving to model the holiness of God in our daily lives. And there's, there's really conflict and tension when it comes to these two um, aspects and really trying to process them, let alone uh, move forward with them in our lives. There's a sense in which we are here, uh, we're holy before God, and then there's a sense which we're not yet holy because we're being commanded to strive for further holiness. And again, this is just a, the reality of the 
uh, what the scriptures uh, inform us, that we are not in the presence of God yet. And until we get into the presence of God, we will not be completely pure, completely holy as he is. So he sees us in the position of holiness through the amazing work of Jesus Christ. But we have this, this command to fulfill, to strive for holiness every day. So I trust you're recognizing that the Bible has a lot to say about uh, the pursuit of holiness, as well as last week when we talked about what holiness is. And it's my prayer that you would walk away from really these, uh, these two messages with a, an unquenchable thirst, a hunger to search the Bible more in regards to just knowing more about God's holiness and what that looks like as it's being fleshed out in his attributes and his work uh, throughout, um, throughout time as we see, read it in scripture. And then a, a thirst and a hunger to really find out what does this mean for me to strive for holiness every day? So I understand that's a quick answer to a a very loaded question, but I'm going to move on to the action or actions um, just so that we can begin to wrap our mind around this, this uh, aspect of striving to be holy. And there's two things I'm going to attempt to get to in, in regards to this, uh, this idea of uh, action, the action that we're called to fulfilling this commandment. And, and they're not necessarily actions that you would think of right away when you think of what it, what it looks like for me to wake up and pursue holiness every day. Um, and the reason for that is there's dozens and dozens of directions I could go in as, we, as I read through scripture. What does the Bible call us to do in perpetuating a pursuit of holiness so others would glimpse God through us? And I, I'm, I'm really just picking a couple that struck me in my studies as something that I don't think about a lot and would be very helpful. So one is, is, is remembering uh, sin is against God, which seems like a no-brainer, but we'll get to that. And then the other one is, is really pursuing a life of holiness. Uh, and the, the one aspect there that I'm going to talk about is, is counting the cost of holiness. So remembering our sin against God, I, I would say this is part of our, um, in part, it's, it's aligned with our positional holiness. Uh, but there's, I think there's a function, uh, the functional aspect plays into this as well. And I would say the text I'm going to go to and even bringing up this topic of remembering our sin is for those listening who've not experienced salvation, uh, the salvation that God offers, uh, the free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. But it's also for those of us um, who have accepted that gift, who are Christians, and just need a fresh reminder of how a holy God views sin. And I feel like that's something that I don't always remember about my sin is that it is against a holy God. I think the first thing I remember is a knee-jerk reaction that says, oh, the Bible told me not to do that, which is accurate. But I forget sometimes who wrote the Bible and how offensive my sin is to the author of Scripture. I was reading uh, recently in Deuteronomy where God asks the Israelites to remember the sin that caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And the reason he was doing that was not to rub it in, but it was actually right before they, he was going to launch them into just massive victory going into the promised land. And he kind of hits the pause button and says, hey, remember all these times you, I asked you to do something and you didn't? And it caused you to, 
is sin and that the consequence of sin was 40 years of wandering and a generation perishing, not, not seeing the fulfillment of the promise. And, it's, and in so, so many words, he says, let this motivate you to obedience. Let this motivate you to love the God that has your best interest in mind. And so I feel like remembering that sin is against God is in part, uh, the scripture is asking us to remember what, what God hates and what he saved us from and allow that to motivate us to pursue a life of holiness. So I can't think of a better verse than Romans 3.23 to highlight our biggest problem, which is sin. It's our biggest problem. And it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, I find that word sin very interesting. It literally means, maybe you've heard this, but it literally means to miss the mark. I like, what, do, what do you mean sin means miss the mark? What, what are you aiming for? Well, it's what the rest of the verse says. All have sinned, we've missed the mark, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And I would submit the glory of God in, in just those few words promotes the, the big idea of what we talked about last week, which is God's holiness. And so sin, our biggest problem, is that we have missed the mark of attaining God's holiness. We've fallen short of God's holiness. All sin of any flavor, size, shape, falls short of God's holiness. And this is because the holiness of God is in direct opposition to sin. Sin is the opposite of holy. In 1 John 3, 4, it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And this means that sin can simply be understood as breaking God's law. And we know that uh, we, know, we can know what God's law says by going to the scripture and reading it for ourselves. The Bible shows us that God's law refers to who he is. Think of what we learned last week about his holiness. But God's law also refers to what he demands or what he commands of his people. One theologian stated it this way as far as our sin. He said, sin opposes God's law. Sin hates rather than love, loves. It doubts rather than trusts. It harms and abuses rather than helps and respect. All sin is against a holy God. And our holy God was gracious and merciful to provide the solution to our biggest problem. We have Romans 3.23 informing us, reminding us of our biggest problem, that it is sin and it's against God. But Romans 3.24 says and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Again, our opening text this morning, 1 Peter 3 through 5, reminds us of the hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. I think this idea of remembering the problem should be combined with celebrating the solution. 
And I think those are two keys to us moving forward in this idea of pursuing, striving for holiness. Remembering should grieve our heart. Just as sin grieves God's heart. But celebrating the solution to our biggest problem should motivate us to pursue holiness. Just as God pursued us to make us his children, to put us in a position where he could look at us and say, you are holy. We should be motivated to pursue holiness in a way that mirrors our great God. Now I'm I'm running out of time here. And so I'm going to try and uh, encapsulate the second thought that I have as far as pursuing holiness. And that's this idea of counting the cost. What does it mean to count the cost? We, we can think of maybe our brothers and sisters in communist countries now that are being persecuted. Uh, when they decide to put their faith in Christ, um, you better believe they're counting the cost. There's physical ramifications as well as spiritual ramifications to them putting their faith in Christ Um, At the time, when I was in high school and put my faith in Christ, I didn't have those things that I was counting the cost, but there were things that I was weighing. I had uh, had a certain number of friends that I hung out with uh, at school who were not Christians and who were not going down the path. They were not pursuing holiness. Um, I had to decide whether my faith in Christ was going to be worth maybe alienating me from those those individuals. Uh, Again, very different things that we're weighing. What I want to draw our attention today is this idea of weighing the cost of giving up our sin. And you're probably thinking, Dave, we just talked about sin. It's gross, it's ugly, it's it's not holy, it's against God. Aren't we done with that? No, not yet. I want to take you to Isaiah. Isaiah 116 says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before your eyes, cease to do evil. We have this language here. This is at the beginning of Isaiah's prophetic ministry to a people who were not in any way, shape, or form trying to be holy before God. They were running from him at a fast pace. And he just has these adjectives. Wash, make yourselves clean, remove evil, cease to do evil. The holy grace of God has cleansed us from sin. Yes, positionally we are holy. Yet this side of eternity, we will still face sin's temptation. Temptation, temptation to continue bad habits that maybe we had before we came to Christ. Temptation to be lured into new bad habits or new sins that maybe we hadn't experienced when we came to faith in Christ. And our mindset must be to have a hatred for all sin. This is an author I was reading, a 19th century English pastor by the name of J.C. Ryle. Wrote a very influential um, book at that time just titled holiness i would very much recommend it to you and he says this about giving up sin he must be willing to give up every habit and practice which is wrong in god's sight he must set his face against it quarrel with it break off from it fight with it crucify it have you given up your sin Positionally, yes. But are you hiding sins from those around you? 
Are you hiding sins from friends, from family, from spouses, from co-workers? We touched a little bit on God's omnipresence. How come that doesn't impact us every day, right? How come before we go to jump into a, a sinful habit or a new temptation, we're not overwhelmed by the fact that God is with us and that we are in his presence seen as being holy? And yet this side of eternity, that's a battle that we have to fight. And so I, I ask you to consider counting the cost of your sin. And I ask you to consider fighting hard to get rid of that, to crucify it. And I ask you to consider getting help to do that if you're struggling. So we've looked at the text and we've enjoyed seeing what holiness can be, can be for us. And I'm, I'm just going to close with the thought that the holiness of God should remind us of our position before God. We are seen as holy. And we should let that sink into our hearts and minds and allow us to be motivated to pursue holiness every single day and to pursue this idea of remembering our sin so that we can, we can crucify it and do battle against it. And I wish I had more time to go into what that looked like, looks like. And I pray that um, you'll have good conversations in your community groups if you're a part of those in regards to that later this week. And maybe God will allow the scripture in Chuck's series and John to speak to this as we move forward. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, we are amazed at your holiness. There are really no words to describe it. And as a result, it's hard to describe what it means for us to be holy. But I ask that your spirit would continue to teach us and do um, an amazing work in our lives to help us begin to understand what it means to be holy on a daily basis. And we pray that your spirit would convict us of ways that we can be moving forward in, in dealing with uh, counting the cost, especially in the area of sin. We ask all these things in your gracious son's name. Amen.